Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. And I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. So Anne, I'm really excited that we decided to do this episode about what it means to live a fulfilled life. So it's funny, Sherry, because I'm super excited too, but when we both started Googling away, the first definition I think we both found was complete bullshit. I'm going to read it. It comes from the Cambridge Dictionary, and it defines fulfilled as feeling happy because you're getting everything you want from life. Doesn't everybody just get everything they want? (laughs) I don't know. I have not gotten everything I want. So I don't think I'm in the minority, but I'm not sure. (laughs) And yet you're pretty fulfilled, I'm going to guess. I think that would be a good guess. So yeah, I think we can both agree that that is an absolute bullshit definition. (laughs) There are a couple that we found that are getting closer to part of the reason why we included having a fulfilled life in the title of our podcast. One of them comes from a LinkedIn article from a couple of years ago and says, fulfillment is about living a deeply meaningful life, a life of purpose and satisfaction. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one as well. And Tony Robbins has one that I really like, which is what we find fulfilling is based on our values, our beliefs, and our deepest human needs. I love that. I don't always agree with everything Mr. Robbins puts out there, but I actually think this is a really good definition and really in alignment with some of the reasons that we decided to include it in the title. Everybody will agree that our title is very long of this podcast, but we really thought long and hard about why we wanted to include a fulfilled life as part of it. Yeah. We often talk to people about the good parts and the hard parts of their lives, the ups and downs, and sometimes life is hard. And sometimes it feels like we're not getting much of anything that we want. But ultimately, fulfillment is very much about how you feel, not just how your life is structured or what you have in your life. And that's not to say that we don't all have things that really contribute to living a fulfilled life. But I do think at the end of the day, being fulfilled is a feeling. Yeah, it's a lot about mindset. And so that's why we wanted to include it right in our title is that with each episode, we really hope to bring our listeners stories and information that, that really helps enhance each individual person's lives. But ultimately, this thing about being fulfilled is kind of a, an inside job. It is not a one size fits all for everybody. That is for sure. And so here's a couple of things that we know it's not, right? We know it's incredibly difficult to have a fulfilled life when you're trying to live up to somebody else's expectations, when you're playing somebody else's game, when you're keeping up with the Joneses, whatever you want to call it. It's not what is actually meaningful to each of us individually. It's somebody else's definition. And thus it doesn't really work. Yeah. And I think something else that doesn't work that is a little bit different than living up to someone else's expectations is when you have a very inflexible set of your own expectations, or you are looking at somebody else and from the outside in their life looks fabulous and you decide that's the way your life should look. And so there's a lot of 
anti-fulfilling things that happen when you spend a lot of time shooting on yourself. That's right. I love that. Don't don't shoot on yourself. I love it. So what does go into having a fulfilled life, do you think, Sherry? Well, the first thing I would say is it is super, super, super personal. Yeah. Right? Somebody else's fulfilled life is not going to work for someone else. It's interesting. I, I remember distinctly when I was a lot younger, as you know, I'm a big traveler, and it was really early in my travel days, but I was in Guatemala, and I saw this guy literally sweeping the floor of the jungle. And part of my very American brain, very Western way of thinking, thought, God, what drudgery, how horrible that must be. And while he didn't speak English and my Spanish, as we all know, is fairly terrible, I did get the opportunity to sort of communicate with him a little bit. And let me tell you, he had a smile that lit up the room. So I don't, I can't speak for the guy. I don't know if he would consider himself having a fulfilled life or not. But what I know is I made a judgment through my own perception about somebody whose life is literally, how could it ever be ending if you were sweeping the jungle floor? And yet he seemed unbelievably at peace with himself and just had, like I said, this amazing thousand watt smile. And so to your point, how would I know if his life is fulfilled or not? Who am I to judge? Right. And what I love about what you just said is that it's such a good example of there is no there, right? And so if part of what you were reacting to is how is he ever going to have a sense of accomplishment, right? Like (laughs) you can never finish sweeping the floor of the jungle, (laughs) but it is a really interesting metaphor for it's really the process of living your life through which fulfillment comes. Yeah. No, I love that. And, And it's so much, like you said earlier, it's so much about mindset and somewhat appreciation and gratitude. You know, a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast, super, super important. You know, when we get back to our Western world, who's probably the majority of our audience, there is something about just sort of being, we've said it before, like kind of being onto yourself, being awake. And like I said earlier, when you're trying to play somebody else's game, you're not kind of onto yourself or awake to what's really important to you. One of the things I start a new coaching engagement with is having my client really spend some time naming their values. And I define values as what are the things that are most important to you? And so some of them are things that are easy to think of as values, right? Like honesty and accomplishment and achievement. But I also think values fall into things like beauty and connection and service. And so part of what goes into living a fulfilled life is really, really being clear on what your values are. And again, not what you think your values should be. Right. As if somebody else is judging your values from outside. But well, let's just stay with that for a second. How do you help people uncover their values? What's that process like? Well, this is a very, very, very complicated first step, which is I have a I have a giant list of things that could be values. Yep. Yeah. And so what I ask people to do is to pick their top 10 values and not rank order them. And what's very, very interesting is for most people, it's hard to narrow it down to 10. And 10 is totally arbitrary. But I think where 
asking people to have a finite number of values that they name is we're always in situations where we have to make trade-offs. And so it's a really good way to think about when push comes to shove, which of these values would I live? Which of these would be a higher priority for me? This is kind of an extreme example, but would I choose my value of honesty over a value of accomplishment? And we we don't usually have to make choices that are that black and white or that binary, but this process of picking 10, even that's challenging because we are always making trade-offs. I love that. It seems like such a great exercise. But tell me how you think that then links to leading a fulfilled life by understanding your values. So when you identify what's truly most important to you, it's hard to have a fulfilled life, in my opinion, if those values aren't really showing up in your life. So I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. A long, long, long time ago, I did a program for small business owners. And I would have people write a vision for their business and a vision for their life and also do this values exercise. And I remember there was somebody in the program who they had a value around family. They had a value around success. They had a value around financial independence. And I can't remember some of these other values. And their business was very structured around a lot of travel and they were gone a lot. And this wasn't with any judgment at all, but how does the value of accomplishment show up in your life? And how does the value around family show up in your life? And so the link to fulfillment then is if I'm really holding my connections with family, that's incredibly important to me. And yet I'm choosing to do something else for whatever reason, then I'm probably not as fulfilled as I could be because I'm not sort of meeting the value that, that I believe is really important to me. Right. Or sometimes it shines a light, and I'm not suggesting for this person family wasn't their value, but sometimes it shines a light on, oh, this thing that is always really showing up at the bottom of the list in my life, maybe that's not really one of my values. Maybe I just think it should be one of my values. And again, I say this with no judgment, but I'll give you a a really interesting example. My cousin, who has four kids, and they're all grown now, but he has a very strong value around family. He and his wife have just the way they live their life. It's very clear. They really value family. He, for many, many years, was on the road all the time. And he would often take one of his kids with him on his business travel. And it gave them one-on-one time with his kid. He wasn't really trading off what went into his very successful career with his value around family. Now, not everybody has the opportunity to do it, but I think it's such an interesting example. No, it's great because what it's doing is it's, he probably had two values and I don't want to speak for him because I don't know him that maybe on the surface would look like they might be in conflict in some way. But what he did is he found a way to meet them both. And I think that's another component here is not being either wed to the way it's supposed to be or the way it's supposed to look and the willingness to compromise. Because you know, it, it reminds me, I worked for IBM a million years ago and I'll never forget, they were interviewing female leaders. It was something for Women's History Month or something. I don't know, it doesn't even matter what it was for. But basically she said, 
I can't be the best executive, the best mom, the best wife, the best cook, the best cleaner, the best blah, blah, blah. And she listed a whole bunch of things. And so she's with a little giggle, she said, so I gave up cooking and cleaning, <laughs> which I kind of love because there was a part of her that was trying to be all of these things all at once. And it was probably unfulfilling. And so she really looked at her life and she was from an African country. And so there was a lot of emphasis placed on cooking and holding the home in a certain way or whatever. She had to make that decision in order to be fulfilled in other ways. And I think that's that's why we both hated that first definition that said, you always get everything you want from life because I'm sorry, that's just not the way life works. No, that is not real life at all. So I think there's another really important part of living a fulfilled life. There's the piece around values, which is part of knowing yourself. But I think there's also a piece around really understanding what makes you tick and how you're wired. And we've talked about the Enneagram in a number of episodes. We did a standalone episode on the Enneagram. And that's just, that's one tool to give you more insight into what makes you tick, how you're wired. But that's also a really, really important piece because again, it goes into looking at somebody else and feeling like, I should be more like that. That should be easier for me. And that is not a feel-good way to go through life. No, what I love about the Enneagram is it really speaks to your core motivation. And again, it's a little bit of appreciation both for the way I might approach things versus the way somebody else might approach things, I think is really a valuable part of knowing yourself. My joke is usually like, it doesn't matter the Enneagram or Strengths Finder, the DISC assessment or the damn Cosmo quiz. I don't care. But understanding yourself at a deeper level is part of this idea of a fulfilled life. So a few moments ago, you said, you know, is beauty a value? And I, it sort of took me back for a moment, but I realized what you're talking about is things like art, right? And so if art is really important in your life, knowing yourself and knowing how important that is to you helps you honor that and leads to this idea of how I can be more fulfilled. For me personally, I appreciate things like art, but I wouldn't say it's core to how I operate or what's important to me. And so I take the opportunity to look at, appreciate, buy art, you know, whatever when I do, but it's not like it's one of the things that's driving me. If it was, I would need more of it in my life in order to feel fulfilled. And I think it's easy to think that values are analogous with ethics or things like honesty, being ethical, being responsible, these types of things, but it goes to this very deeper understanding of yourself. Well, let's get a little more personal. So Anne, what gives you a fulfilled life? So I thought of a lot of super complex, smarty pants answers. But ultimately for me, what it comes down to is meaning and adventure. And meaning is in the work that I do, it's why I sometimes struggled when I was internal in a corporate environment in that there's just some amount of 
administrative bullshit that you have to do when you are within a corporate setting, which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I'm not telling anybody to quit. But for me, I wasn't able to find the same meaning as when I can deeply connect with one of my clients and help them through a tough time or help them make a difficult decision or think clearly and strategically about themselves, their organization, their team, what have you. So this deep meaning in work, my deep meaning in relationships, nothing drives me crazier than the surface level BS of a lightweight friendship or whatever. I would rather be by myself than have an extended conversation about the weather or something. Although the weather we've been having in Northern California has not been delightful lately. You know, I really love having a deeply meaningful set of friends that I can drop in and have great connection and conversation with. And then the other side for me is this idea of adventure and adventures means a lot of different things. You know, when we were prepping for this episode, both Sherry and I had been on a little bit of a tear of travel for fun and and work reasons for me at least. And there's a part of me that is so happy to be home, but there's a part of me that just loves that idea of what's next and what can I experience? And I like to be adventurous, not only in travel, but also in the kinds of things that I do. You know, as I've talked about on the podcast before, I tried flying lessons for a while. And while I didn't complete it, like it was super fun. And now I'm having a little bit of an adventure and becoming a Pilates teacher. So this idea of a little bit of adventure to me is really, really fulfilling. And part of having a fulfilled life is also knowing that it's not always going to be sunshine and roses and unicorns, right? It is also about balance. And part of why we were having that conversation about both of us being on this crazy travel tear is that it's also exhausting, right? So for me, it's also fulfilling. While I love that adventure, I can sometimes be a little too wooed, a little too pulled toward it, and I lose some of my centeredness. And so for me, there's this I don't know, kind of invisible balance between all of these ideas of meaning, adventure, and coming back to center, if you will. I love everything you have said because it's such a great illustration of how fluid these things are and how something that creates fulfillment too much of it is no longer fulfilling. It's like eating too much of an amazingly delicious (laughs) dinner, right? It's like, oh my God, this is so good. And it's like, oh my God, I ate too much and I just don't feel so great. And so I love how it illustrates just the whole, dare I say, journey nature of all of this, (laughs) right? Yeah, I know. Wait, we've got that word in our podcast title too. Crazy that. So for me, I thought about this because- I knew this question was going to come up in our conversation. There's some similarity to what you've said and some differences. So definitely for me is living a life that is filled with a lot of deep connection is just so integral to me feeling fulfilled. I sometimes feel like connection is air for me or oxygen for me. So that's one huge part of it. And doing things that are meaningful. And I've talked about on this podcast before that it took me a long time. I spent the first part of my career in the world of finance and accounting. And while I didn't mind the work, I really struggled with the fact that it wasn't very meaningful to me. And so 
I'm so grateful that for the past 20 plus years, I've been doing work that's much more meaningful. So spending my time in meaningful ways, having impact, deep connection, a piece for me that's also really important is intellectual stimulation. Your adventure is kind of my intellectual stimulation. I will find myself periodically looking for what's the next thing I can sink my teeth into? What's the next thing I can learn? And so I'm just so deeply curious. And, you know, I'm in three book groups. They're a little bit different, but I love that intellectual stimulation of talking with some very different kinds of people about books. You know, I just finished an astrology course. I'm not going to do anything with the information, but it was so interesting to me, right? So stimulating my brain is a huge piece of it. Then a little bit of adventure, right? Not quite as much as for you, but you know, I don't travel quite as much as you, but I, I have always joked that my desire to go places and see people is always in conflict with my desire to be at home. And so there's that balancing act again. If I haven't gone anywhere in a while, I'm getting a little antsy. I want to go someplace. Mine is often tied with also, I want to go someplace and see people. So there's that piece as well. I will say a huge shift for me around fulfillment was when I really started paying attention to what are the things that I am really attached to. And as I have gotten better at letting go of attachments, I will never be anywhere close to attachment-free. But as I have gotten better at letting go of attachments, I will say that has opened space for more fulfillment. What does that mean to you, this letting go of some attachment? Attachment to the way I think something should be or the way I want something to be. And I started doing that work a fairly long time ago, and I will never stop doing that work. It's not really shoulding as much as it's just getting a little too attached to I really want this and I'm going to really have a hard time if I can't figure out how to have it. Yeah. It feels a little grippy. It kind of reminds me of that Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers. Sort of the gist is you think you want one thing and God or whoever your understanding of that entity is doesn't, quote, answer the prayer, but you actually get something even better than what you were asking for. It reminds me of that, this idea of not being attached to the way it's supposed to look. Well, I'll give you a really quick example. It's probably, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, I had a workshop I was doing and I got amazingly good feedback on this workshop. And it was also like pushing a boulder up a hill to fill it. And so I would always have enough people to do the workshop, but oh my God, it was a Herculean task. And I was in the process of marketing the next one. I think I'd done it like four times. This was my fifth one. And I was feeling like so incredibly frustrated that why is it not getting any easier to fill this workshop? I get such great feedback. I've got great testimonials, right? And why is this not easier? And I was up in my office. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, I had this image of myself. And this is going to sound really weird. But I had this image of myself, like my hands were these claws that was grasping so hard, kind of to your comment. And I can't quite describe it because it really did feel like this epiphany, but I just felt myself completely let go. And the thought that went through my head is, 
you know, every time I'm in this mode of I'm going to make something happen, that means I'm really attached. And who am I kidding? I can't make anything happen. I'm not controlling the universe. And it's when I shifted to this phrase of create the conditions to allow. And my life got much more fulfilling after that, I will say, or my work got much more fulfilling. Yeah. So it's that unanswered prayer thing in a way, right? Not being like, it has to be this way. I've created this thing. I must deliver it. There must be people. And there's sort of this easing that happens when you can let go of the shoulds and the musts and and all of that. It strikes me, Sherry, in both of our personal definitions that neither one of us said a fulfilled life is one with no pain and I have a perfect life. And back to that original dumb definition, right? Neither one of us said we expect it to be smooth sailing the whole way. Yeah. As we are so fond of saying, no one gets a perfect life, (laughs) right? Yeah. It kind of reminds me in yoga, we were taught this about you really can't know the light unless you also know the shadow. There is a Leonard Cohen anthem that goes, forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And with that says to me is nobody gets to have this perfect life, right? That it's actually the cracks. It's actually the fault lines. It's actually the shitty moments that in some ways give us the appreciation, the ability to see the good in a lot of ways. I think there's another piece that goes hand in hand with that, which is, you know, we are always making trade-offs in life. And sometimes you're choosing between two really great things. Sometimes you're choosing between two kind of hard or shitty things. But this idea, A, we are always making choices. And sometimes we forget we have choices. But I think a huge piece of a fulfilled life is really making peace with those trade-offs or really making peace with your choices. I think that's really interesting because part of being fulfilled is also not continually asking what if or looking over my shoulder or sliding doors had I taken the left instead of the right or what have you. It's sort of, I've made this decision and it doesn't mean it's immovable, but sort of making peace with it was going to be this instead of that. And again, it's so much goes back to mindset and I love how you said it, by making peace, we actually create more ease in our lives as well. The other thing that it reminds me of what you're talking about is the fact that this is not a static state. Hooray, I have arrived at Fulfillment Island and I will be here forevermore and I'm planting the flag and life is good. Wait, wait, wait. Is there a place called Fulfillment Island? (laughs) I am heading there now, packing my adventurous (laughs) bag and we're going there. But we've talked about this before. Just like if you stood on the floor right now, both feet firmly planted, and you thought you were standing still, if you really pay attention, there's micro movements. And life is not static. And this idea of fulfillment is also not static. I think we are always moving towards or away from fulfillment. And the key is to be paying attention to it. It's often easy to know when you are moving towards fulfillment. Oh, I've decided to change careers. Oh, I've decided to move to a place with better weather so I can spend more time outside. These are big decisions, but it's often easy to recognize I am taking steps to be more fulfilled. It is sometimes not quite so clear 
when we're moving away from it. And that could look like, oh, something changed at work and my job's not as fulfilling, but I'm not really doing anything about it. And so just to be conscious of A, we're never static, right? So we're always moving towards or away from fulfillment and to recognize it and just be really conscious of what choices you're making in both of those scenarios. And the consciousness, I think, also speaks to being able to look at things with fresh eyes. And I think that's what so many of our guests have really highlighted for me. I think about Joe Walsh, who we just had on a couple weeks ago, and his basically losing everything, everything he was working towards, no matter what your politics are, no matter what, if you believe what he was doing before, it doesn't matter. But what he has gained has been very transformative. He is much more in alignment with his values. He's much more in concert with people that he really wants to connect with. He is opening the door for lots of people to look at certain topics in a very different way. He could have looked at that as like the worst thing that has ever happened to him. And in some ways in the moment it was, but he also gets that opportunity as many of our guests have to kind of reframe that and think of, okay, what is coming up? What's going to rise from these ashes? Where is my Phoenix in this moment? Well, and it's also a really good example of one of the things he said, and I really encourage you to listen, listeners, if you haven't heard the conversation, because he's amazing, of when we asked him, where did you get the courage to make that choice? And his comment was, I feel like I had no choice because I would have been so out of alignment with my values. And so it's such a good example of hard choice, for sure, and being in alignment with his values is making his life much more fulfilling. That's right. So we've talked a ton about what fulfilled life means to us, some of our observations about what it is and what it's not. Let's just sort of bring it home here a little bit and summarize. So what do you think, if somebody is curious about how can I have a more fulfilled life, what are some of the major tenets for people to think about? Mindset for sure. I do think it's important to acknowledge how you're feeling. So if things feel shitty, it's okay to say things feel really shitty right now. This isn't about whitewashing things or anything, but the first place to look is mindset. I can look at this through multiple lenses and what is the lens that is going to allow for a little brightness or a little space that can help me start to make even some teeny, teeny little choices, or even to say it feels really shitty right now, but that's because I made a trade-off that was the right thing for me to do. And it's not going to stay shitty forever. So that's the first thing I would say. Definitely look at, are you hanging on to some shoulds? You know, that's another really big one. And also examine your attachments. Yeah, for sure. And then, I, you know, for me, I would add, it's okay to, in alignment with your values, to take some risks, to step out on the ledge. Now, for some people, big risk-taking isn't going to be totally in alignment. But those little things, those little changes, those little opportunities to move towards more of what you want in your life, I think really, really important. And that takes a huge dose of vulnerability because it's both vulnerable to really think about what you want in your life 
and it's vulnerable to ask for it and it's vulnerable to go for it. But I think that vulnerability and authenticity is a cornerstone of being able to have a fulfilled life. I'd also add courage in there because sometimes we can all get stuck in the, I hate my job or I am so unfulfilled at work and I have no choice. And sometimes this is true. If you are struggling to put food on the table, sometimes it's, I am making this choice because I am placing my value of family over job satisfaction. But a lot of times, and I think this is probably true for most of our listeners, it's fear or it's what if I do something different and it doesn't work out? And so courage is a huge piece of this at times. I would add a grateful mindset is also super helpful. I think considering what is already great in your life. I think sometimes we get, all of us, we're humans, right? We get to that point point. we're like, oh, everything sucks and oh my God and whatever. And sometimes life does suck, but there's usually that Leonard Cohen, right? There's that usually that little, the, the cracks that are allowing some of the light in. And I think it's both of our sort of sincere hope that our listeners spend some time really thinking about what is it that you're grateful for in your life? And then consider what could make it even more fulfilling. Well, I think we have probably said everything we wanted to say <laughs> about living a fulfilling life. And so it's a good moment to wrap up our episode today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love if you shared our podcast with a friend, gave us a rating on iTunes, or post it to your own social media. And exciting news, we're also starting to cook up some new offerings. We'll have more information on that soon. But if you want to be the first to know, head over to flowingeastandwest.com to join our mailing list. We promise to never spam you, but hope to bring you some exciting programming in alignment with the podcast. Until then, please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.